Hi there, House Culture listener. If you enjoy this episode or have enjoyed listening to other episodes in our series, please support and donate to us through the Acast Supporter feature. All donations will help us create the content that you love listening to. You can decide how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So it could be a one-off and every now and then or once every time you listen. It's really up to you. Click on the supporter link in the episode description and with Google or Apple Pay, it will take you less than 30 seconds to make your contribution. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm John Strencher, and you're listening to the House Culture Podcast. House Culture. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the House Culture Podcast. I'm your host and managing editor at House Culture, Matt Rouse. As always, thanks for joining us, downloading, streaming, however it is you listen to your podcasts. And for those who are listening for the first time and don't know who we are or what we stand for, we at House Culture are a group, a gang, a collective of house music fans who have come together through their mutual love of the beat to celebrate the spirit of house music. You can follow us day to day on our Instagram feed at housecultureNet, but what we do with this podcast is sit down with some of the most iconic characters from the scene for a candid chat to discover how they fell in love with the music and how it shaped their life. In this episode, we chat to John Satrencher, who has been for the past 25 years the resident DJ at the legendary Satrencher Beach Club, which you can find located right at the end of Las Salinas Beach in Ibiza. This is a guy who, back in the day, turned up in Ibiza with a bunch of records and never really left making him one of the true guardians of the Balearic spirit. We caught up with him ahead of his gig at London's Spirit Landing King's Cross, and in this hour-long chat, we discuss how he first discovered the Satrencha Beach Club. The first beach we went to was actually Salinas, and I walked up to Satrencha and saw these like naked people, really beautiful people, and there was a DJ playing, and I thought, wow, this place is amazing. This is really something else why he's been so successful as a DJ on the island. If I'm going to go to Ibiza and be a DJ, there's no point in taking the same record box as all the other DJs. So go and do something different. Dare to be different. Every record I played, people were like, oh, I've never heard this before. And what music means to him as a whole. Sometimes we're lost for words, and music will always fill that vacuum. It's the soundtrack of my life. Music covers all my emotions through the hardest times possibly I've ever had in my life. Music has always lifted me. So slip on those flip-flops, 
get ready to take a walk on the wild side down a beautiful Balearic beach guided by the Ibethan icon that is John Satrencha. House Culture. Now, John, great to chat to you. Thanks for making the time for us. Um, 25 years you've been a resident DJ of the legendary Satrencha Beach Club at Las Salinas Beach in Ibiza. Um, you're really well known for all your eclectic sets, taking in all sorts of different genres and moods. Um, what we want to do is start at the beginning. Where did this diverse taste of music originally come from? Ah. Well, first of all, Matt, good to be here. Nice to be here in King's Cross, London and then Dun. Where did it all start? My gosh, I suppose it's a misspent childhood, really. Um, my sister took me to see... Cliff Richard and the Shadows at Cheltenham Odeon when I was six years old and actually all I remember were these screaming women and I, I think I saw Hank Williams um, uh, yeah it was Hank Williams and, and I just had got a quick glimpse of Cliff Richard and then I just heard all this screaming it was like Beatlemania and that kind of kicked it off for me I suppose um, my sister was 10 years older than me and she was, so it was sort of height, early 60s, height of Beatlemania, the Rolling Stones, Jimi Hendrix. So I was kind of introduced to all that music from a very early age. And um, then, at, as one does around teenage times, you discover your own music. And for me, that was Bowie, Roxy Music, Mark Bolan, The Velvet Underground, Iggy Pop. And then my sort of um, reoccurring adolescence um, progressed into punk rock, new romantics, and all of the stuff that eight, the 80s um, gave us musically. And um, sort of culminating in Live Aid, I suppose, which was the sort of, kind of the beginning of the end of, of that era of, of, of groups, I suppose, singer-songwriters. Um, so through all that time, I was always listening to music, um, failed most of my exams at school. <laughs> so I tell you, it's like a misspent childhood. And my mother said, grow up, you know, get rid of your records, get a proper job. And, um, and when I left school, I went to work in a record shop, much to my parents' disappointment because they wanted me to join the army or become a lawyer. And the record shop where I worked at was an independent record shop in Cheltenham. And the guy there um, collected all this really underground German electronic music. So it kind of, you know, stuff like Kraftwerk was like really commercial. But I was listening to Stockhausen and um, a lot of the ECM jazz and Klaus Schulz. And so that had a massive influence on me. Yeah. And um, that's where the sort of the variety of music came in, I suppose. You know? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a real clear through line as well to Acid House and that house era and the beginning yep. of that from kind of punk rock and that kind of thing. There's a very famous stories about the Hacienda, about everyone being at that Sex Pistols gig yep. and Factory Records and all those guys starting there and a, a lot of uh, content out there of famous people saying that punk rock really kind of inspired them to kind of pick up and do their own thing, a DIY spirit. Not not necessarily about the music, but just about that DIY spirit of, of Yes. Yeah, yeah, I guess there's, there's a, quite an interesting comparison with that because um, a lot of that the early acid house and the house records that were coming out um, weren't they were put they got into the charts eventually a lot of the you know the big hits say in the early 90s late 80s early 90s would get into the charts but it was the people who got them there not necessarily the record companies promoting the 
the music and that was very interesting at the time yeah i mean a lot of that stuff didn't really necessarily get played on on Radio One, which was the biggest station at the time, yep. I think uh, was it is it Gary Davis was the first person to play eight or eight State Pacific on, ooh, on Gary Radio Davis. One exactly. He yeah. comes to the beach. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't resist going, ooh, Gary Davis, because that was his uh, his his uh, radio plug, wasn't it? Brilliant, brilliant. Um, so, at what point was it that you kind of segued into or discovered um, house music or that early kind of the repetitive beats that have become your your life um yeah i guess straight after live aid there was then it was late 80s and um i was living in london at the time i was actually a photographer so um i always wanted to be in the music business but i couldn't sing couldn't i could dance but i couldn't sing and i couldn't play an instrument so um yeah it was the it was the late 80s um and i was a photographer and I was doing pictures of the, of the Stones and the and Bowie and people like that and taking pictures of concerts. Um, but one day, I actually bought a flat in London the day the stock market crashed. Um, my car broke down and I got back to my flat and all my possessions had been stolen. I'd been burgled. And they they took everything but my record collection. So I was sitting there in my flat late at night not knowing to not knowing whether to laugh or cry and on top of that I hadn't insured the flat before I moved in and the insurance for my cameras had just run out so I was literally screwed <laughs> and it was like oh my god what am I gonna do so right at almost bang on 12 o'clock a mate of mine rang me up from my hometown Cheltenham in Gloucestershire and he said hey Johnny We've just, um, I've just opened up this small wine bar called the Café de Bac. Um, and it's got a little basement in it. Do you want to come and DJ? I know you've got loads of records. So I just didn't even think about it. I just said, yes, because uh, <laughs> what else am I going to do? <laughs> so I literally changed profession overnight. Mm -hmm. And I was working three nights a week in the Café de Bac. And I was 28 at the time. Um, all my contemporary friends dropped me. They thought I was a lunatic. And I got this new set of friends who were like 18 to 22, the young ravers. Yeah. And they were coming into the Café de Bac when I was playing and go, hey man, play the music. And they had their whistles and they were jumping around like lunatics. And I thought, yeah, just cool down, guys. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about, the music? And um, then I was introduced to house music, I guess. But I was buying my records from London, and I was just buying a complete cross-section at the time. I was kind of Balearic without even realizing it, so I was getting all the early hip-hop stuff, you know, NWA, Stetsasonic, reggae, soul, funk, remixes, and then there was 808 State, and then there was all the early house, acid house stuff. And I was kind of mixing it all up together, um, with the, like the Chill Out album, KLF. Yeah. Um, and that's what I loved doing, was just like changing the genres and mix going from one genre to another and finding tracks that had long ambient intros like 808 State um, and really just being very, very eclectic. That was, that's what I loved doing. That's what I'd always done. And as a kid, I used to like, you know, make cassettes 
for my girlfriend and trying to impress the ladies, you know. You know, and I was like getting people come over from New York and there was, uh, was it Kiss FM in New York? I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. And there were all these like um, adverts and the, the DJs were rapping and stuff like that. So I was like taking clips of those, putting them on my cassettes and then putting various, all this kind of eclectic stuff onto cassettes. So um, yeah, that's how it kind of all started so that eclecticism like you said it was Balearic without even realizing it was Balearic Um, had you been to Ibiza and soaked up any of that spirit at that point no the only I'd heard about Ibiza on David Bowie's life on Mars where he's where the lyric is from Ibiza to the Norfolk Broads and I thought that's it looks an interesting name it's got that Z in it (laughs) where's Ibiza Japan I don't know where is it and um so yeah, it kind of slowly filtered through where Ibiza was and what was going on. And um, I think it was about 87 actually, or 88, I can't remember. But my mum took me to Ibiza and I didn't really want to go. Um, but I didn't really want to go on holiday with my mum. <laughs> <laughs> bless her, God bless her. And um, <clears throat> so we ended up in Ibiza and I kind of got off the plane, I thought, I don't know why, but I kind of like this place. And I decided, I'd take my mum around to all the beaches in the daytime. The first beach we went to was actually Salinas. No way. And I remember sitting down, I think we were at the jockey club, and I looked, I thought, oh, there's another bar up there. I asked, I told mum, let's go, I'll go and get you an ice cream, mum. And I walked up to Satrencha and saw these like naked people, really beautiful people. And there was a DJ playing and I thought, wow this place is amazing. This is really something else. So that kind of stuck in my mind and um, went back with my ice cream, gave it to mum. And then at night, <clears throat> I put mum to bed and I'd take the hire car out and I kind of discovered to be for by accident, just randomly driving around and ended up in Pasha and um, and then, which I just thought was amazing. I was just on my own and I just kind of discovered these places. And then I'd drive back um, to the hotel and about six o'clock in the morning, crash out. And then my mum would wake me up at 7.30 and I'd go, oh, mum, I t- didn't sleep very well last night. Um, oh dear. Okay, let's go to the beach. And this went on all week. <laughs> <laughs> so by the end of it, I was a complete wreck. My mother hadn't quite caught on what was going on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's how I discovered Ibiza. Perhaps, perhaps not the coolest story you'd ever heard by going to Ibiza with your mum. But Well, I think that's how it all starts for everyone. The first time, certainly, but I went yeah, to Ibiza. You know, it's was... like, oh, you know, who wants to be too cool anyway? Exactly, exactly. So uh, what was the... Obviously, you went and experienced the tranks of before you were even a resident there and that kind of inspired you I suppose if you had this great record collection that you'd already been adding to you know a real eclectic spirit um, was there a point where you thought okay this is the life for me I'm gonna bring my records back here and this is it or how did that kind of come about? Um, not exactly I well I really enjoyed the holiday I went back to London and I met a friend um, called Olivier and he had been in Ibiza for years and years and years and uh, we got on really well Brazilian guy loved music just loves music so um, we'd be hanging out just listening to music and stuff and discovering a lot of Brazilian stuff through him and um, he um, had two parties 
um, in Ibiza, private parties up in the mountains in the north, in uh, Cantalias, the um, Terry Thomas, the the uh, comedian, his house, which is right up on the top of a hill. And um, I drove over with a couple of mates in a big coach. Um, so there was like... Drove from the UK? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was a bit like Cliff Richard's summer holiday. It wasn't a double-decker, it was a big blue... Cliff Richard's still inspiring. Well, not days. really, but uh, he, he seems to have sort of come into my life somehow. Yeah. Actually, he's not too bad, Cliff, and he's still going. He so, is, you yeah. know, he's still alive, so you can't take that away from him. Um, and we ended up on, on, the, um, on the island in this big bus... And um, we did a couple of these two parties, or three parties, actually. And they were a success. They were fun. And then there was nothing. There was no work. And my friends, we were driving around in this coach. We couldn't park that many places. We kept on getting moved on by the police. On top of it was an English bus. And the funniest thing was, is actually, it looked identical to the local buses at the time. So we were driving along and there was like all these school kids waiting at the bus stop, um, waiting to get on. And they, they just looked at us in horror because it looked like the bus was empty. And because the steering wheel was on the other side, they thought, there's no bus driver. So we got this reputation in Ibiza for having the phantom bus. <laughs> because it didn't have a driver. So people were actually quite afraid when they saw this bus with no driver zooming down the road. And um, anyway, after a few weeks, my friends um, decided to leave the island because there was no work and they were a bit fed up. And um, they left. And I hadn't, it was had a bit of a mix up. I hadn't realized they had gone. And I was hitchhiking around the island with just the clothes that I was wearing. And I was down and out, basically, for two, three weeks. And it's the beginning of the season. And who wants to know somebody on the island who's down and out? Nobody. So um, it was quite a hard time. And um, But I managed to get, you know, I'd always find an apple or something like that. Or sit in a cafe and some of the tourists left some of their food behind. And I managed to pinch a sandwich and... I'd check out all the cigarette machines because people always left small change at the cigarette machines. So actually, I kind of got by. And um, I used to sleep in the back of a car because I knew this this guy. He, I knew that it was a Renault estate, and I knew the the, the, the door didn't lock. Wow. So I used to build a crash in the back of the car. And um, actually, I mean, it sounds hard, but I actually got, I got by. But then um, I was hitchhiking, and this car came out, came along, and it sort of slowed down towards me, and I sort of stepped out in the middle of the, in the road, and then it sped up, and it knocked me back off the road into this. There was a gap in the road, and it was just a, it, it went down to a, quite a, 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 a sharp um, hill, going going right down into a riverbed. So I was completely knocked out. I had blood everywhere, tooth knocked out, and I was a mess. Um, so I think I was knocked out, and, and uh, I managed to wake up and crawl back up onto the top of the road, started hitchhiking, and I was really delirious, and it was hot, and um, yeah, I was just delirious. And the first car that stopped, that, that came along, stopped and gave me a lift, and the the guy in the car was 
the boss of Citrencher. And he took me to the beach. He, he said, go and clean yourself up. So I went for a swim, got all the blood off me. <clears throat> he gave me some food. I crashed out on the beach. And the next day, the sun was shining. I thought, okay, I'm not too bad, still alive. I'm not going to go back to England, otherwise I'd be a failure. So there was no going back. And um, the DJ didn't turn up. And the boss then told me that he, my friends had left all my record collection and the sound system with him at the car park at Salinas. Yeah. Because that's where we were parking the coach. And um, he had a little house at that time on the side of the car park. So um, he said, let's go and get your sound system and um, let's wire it up and you play today. And I was like, are you sure? I don't want the Spanish DJ to come back and shoot me, maybe. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I feel I've been in enough trouble as it is. Are you sure? He said, yes, yes, yes. We'll go and get your record set. We set up the sound system. And, um, and I started playing. And I wasn't playing house music, actually. I was playing the Penguin Cafe Orchestra mm -hmm. and Brian Eno mm -hmm. and some jazz things and a bit of reggae. And it was a different record box, basically. I thought, if I'm going to go to Ibiza and be a DJ, there's no point in taking the same record box as all the other DJs. So go and do something different. Dare to be different. You either win or you lose. There's no in-between. There's no nothing in the middle. It's like the Roman Emperor, thumbs up or thumbs down. <laughs> and, and I was lucky. Um, every record I played, people were like, oh, what's this? I've never heard this before. What's this? I had an ambient copy of um, Moby's Go, the ambient version. So I was kind of mixing all these things and people were like, oh, that's interesting. And and um, since, well, here I am 25 years later, I've never looked back really. Wow. <laughs> that person who knocked you over and then put you into the uh, the manager's car. It's, that's, that's crazy, Every cloud has a silver yeah, lining. <laughs> even fortuitously, this guy turns up and it's he's the manager of the bar that you're inspired by originally those years earlier when you're on holiday with your mum. Yep. So it's all kind of made sense. And, yeah. um, and I used to play every day, eight hours minimum. I couldn't wait to get up and just start on the beach when there was nobody there and just play the KLF album, Chill Out album and stuff like that. And, um, and I literally played as long as I could every day because I loved it so much. Um, because I thought the next day the police are going to come along and it's all going to be over. So I thought, you know, this could be my last song. Well, I've done one day on the beach, but, you know, this could be my last song. Maybe I won't be playing tomorrow. And what happened to that Spanish DJ? Did he just say, OK, I'm never calling that guy again? He was You're OK, actually. He was OK with me. They, he didn't get on with the boss. Okay. So they had a big argument and it was, it was OK. He was OK with me. Yeah. So that's... It all ended up okay, not in tears, and I didn't get shot. <laughs> <laughs> Every cloud. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you're celebrating, I suppose you're celebrating, if you are, your 25th year there this year? Um, well, that, I'm, right? I'm, I'm just celebrating. I've got to the, that age where um, you just sort of, you wake up in the morning, you think, I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take one day at a time. <laughs> but do you, when you're on your sets, then do you still play for the eight-hour session? Is it like I know it's not every day anymore. No, I do two days a week now, yeah. which is fine. And um, but yep, yeah, I play eight hours nonstop. Wow. Yep. 
And how has your record collection kind of changed in amongst that? Do you still hark back to that era when you first arrived with some tracks that you, you had in the box at the time? Or do you just try and keep it all fresh? How, how do you uh, I mix, mix it up? I mix everything up. Yeah. Um, I'm mixed up, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I still mix everything up. But yeah, I buy new music all the time, all re-edits of old music, but it's new mixes. So I'm constantly collecting music. Um, I mean, I still have that. I remember when I bought my first single and I couldn't wait to get home to play it. And I was running home and I ripped it out of the bag and put the single on the turntable. And I was like, wow. And I couldn't wait. I was like so excited. And I still get that, I suppose you can call it nothing more than childish enthusiasm possibly. And I still get that from buying new tracks. So... Yeah, I think if if that goes, then it's time to hang up my headphones and call it a day. But, um, I mean, just today I've just downloaded a load of music and I'm like super excited. I can't wait to play it tonight at Spiritland. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. I mean, so, you know, you're DJing all over the world basically now. Um, How do you... How do you discover that new music? Do you is it all down to you, or do you have recommendations? How you know? Um, how do you just make have uh, that people, discovery? People recommend stuff. I know I've collected a I call it the Blairic Brotherhood. So um, I've got various friends who love Blairic music. Some are professional DJs. Some are just passionate about music. And um, again, like kids, we kind of do swaps. <laughs> I'll give you two of these for one of those. Yeah, yeah. and. Um, and some friends actually give me quite a lot of music as well. So it's a shared passion, I think. Um, plus, I buy quite a lot of music from a download off the internet as well. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, you know, wonderful thing about the internet. You can, you know, you can be looking for a particular track, and then you see all these recommendations, and you go off on a tangent, and you end up buying a load of music where you weren't were actually looking for that particular genre, but you ended up buying it. Yeah, so, um, uh, or you hear a track and it's got a sample in it. You discover the sample where that came from, and then there's four or five different mixes of it already. And exactly, exactly, the rabbit hole you tumble down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot, awful lot on the on the internet. So, yeah, um, and you know these days, you, I miss I miss record shops desperately. I miss the just meeting the people in the record shops and the relationship you would get with the the shop owner, and spending many a Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday in um, Soho um, there were so many record shops back in the day in the late 80s 90s I can't remember I mean there was over 10 15 record shops so you could spend three or four days just buying loads and loads and loads of vinyl yeah and the people you would you'd spend the day or afternoon or whatever in a couple of different key ones you'd meet like-minded people see the flyers what events are going on exactly, it's a real yeah. kind of community face-to-face community yeah that those things had whereas now i can just sort of sit in bed and uh, get, have a cup of coffee go back to bed and download some, <laughs> download some music <laughs> download loads of music from the internet a lot of it's online now isn't it i suppose it's almost yeah. faceless in that sense that there are still these communities out there but um you know it's it's a lot of it's kind of shifted online and those recommendations are being made to you kind of electronically yeah yeah and it's all good you know you've got, there's no point in looking back at the past so no. much it's um I'm, i embrace the future and it's um yeah i'm quite happy to lie in bed and 
buy loads of music off the internet. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Um, you mentioned the Balearic Brotherhood. Um, how how is that? Do you um, is there any competitiveness there? I know other DJs might be like, I've got this one track, but I'm going to cover the label on it, or you know, if you got it on vinyl, or you know, change the name of it on the MP3 or whatever, so people can't ah. take it off. How are you with that? Do you, are you very sharing, or do you yeah, have no, key I- ones that you'd like to keep for yourself? Um, Maybe there's a few tracks that are my signature tunes of the summer, which I'm probably not so keen on sharing. Um, but I collect quite rare stuff. So even these days when people are shazamming, they may get the track, but they may probably won't get the version of the track that I'm playing. So, um, But competitiveness, it's a very competitive world, DJing, actually. DJs are... I mean, I used to be in photography and fashion business, and... Um, DJs are more competitive than models and more bitchy. <laughs> but my, I've got a close circle of a few good friends and um, we have a mutual appreciation for one another, and which is why I call it the Balearic Brotherhood. Um, Kenneth Baker from Music for Dreams and um, various people. Um, and, you know, it's quite interesting, Balearic DJs, because we... Basically, we play, we're very eclectic. We play a great variety of genres and styles. But um, we all sound completely different from one another. That's the interesting thing, I think. Yeah, I think just Balearic as a genre, it can mean so much. Yeah, and people ask me, they say, what do you play? And I go, everything. And I thought, well, that just sounds terrible. <laughs> I could be one of those old jocks playing the top 20, you know, from the birdie song to whatever, you know. But, um, yeah, yeah, it is, you know, Balearic is actually just playing. It, it, it's people who have a musical passion, yeah. really. And yeah. um, I think so many DJs these days, they get stuck in a particular genre, and um, you know it's a bit boring. I just think if you know you're going to play hip hop or trance or whatever all night, <laughs> yeah. it's like that's really boring. Totally, especially if you're putting in an eight-hour shift. You know, you don't yeah. want to be the same genre for yeah. that period of time. Yeah. It's, li- it's I suppose it's liberating as well to pull in all of these different influences. And yeah, but I think when I'm in the zone, it's like it's I've, I really love just playing totally eclectic and you know? I almost I don't know what I'm going to play next and the audience doesn't know what what's going to happen next so there's a through every track there's an element of excitement because it's unpredictable yeah yeah um so well I was going to ask Balearic as a genre um can you define what that is you know you say you just play great music um it Balearic in a dictionary obviously the Balearic Islands but it's a yep. music genre what would you say is the definition of it? And you know, when you're a kid, you have all these little kaleidoscopes, mm-hmm. and you look through the kaleidoscope, and you turn the, turn it, and all these colours keep changing. It's a bit like that. Sounds like a trip, but um, yeah, it could be a bit trippy too. But uh, yeah, it's just it's just this. It, it's it's really just collecting music from, which goes right back. So there's no there's no limitations on time um, or genre. Um, there's basically no limitations, but it's it's still you still got to the, the tracks have got to mix together. They've got to be in key, not necessarily BPM, but they've got to be in key, and you've got to go on some kind of musical journey through. You know, I, I love just playing. You know, go through an African set, which could go into jazz, which could go into hip hop, which could go into Latin, 
which could go anywhere. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, and I'm I'm sort of, I, I really keep an eye on the people I'm playing to. So I think DJs should... You've got to know, you know, you've got to look around and see who you're playing to. And with my situation on the beach, is I'm sort of set back from the beach. And nobody's really looking at me. Everybody's focused on the sea and the sun and they're chatting with one another. So it's very diff- different from playing in a club. There's no parameters. And I can observe the people rather than them looking at me, which I really like. So when I see a, maybe an older hippie guy walking past, I think... Ah, uh, I've got a remix of you know the Eagles or something, which is just going to blow his mind because he'll know the track, but he'll never have heard this remix before. And a, a lot of uh, you know, it's, 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 there's a lot of remix of of older tracks, Marvin Gaye, all sorts of you know, whether it's Bowie, Marvin Gaye, whatever. Yeah, no, it's 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 really nice to observe the people around you. So yeah, I can play like a remix of an old track and the older people may know may know the track but they've never heard the version the kids will know the beat so they probably don't know the the track so um yeah and i find also playing on a beach is that my audience is much wider than sort of the 1830 whatever that go to clubs my audience is literally people from 6 years old probably to about 80 <laughs> So uh, you mentioned kind of older tracks being remixed now. Do yep. you think that the the internet has kind of opened that up? People are kind of looking back and the opportunities are there now to get those old tracks, maybe get the stems from them, remix them in their own way and just put them out online rather than before the barriers to entry, I suppose, was you had to get that pressed up on vinyl, get it into the right people's hands. Yep. Whereas now you can just set it free and it finds an audience. Is that- Certainly, yeah. I mean, um, sites like um, Mixcloud, Soundcloud, um, there's a hell of a lot of material there with with remixes. Um, I hasten to say that, that, but the majority of remixes are terrible. So I've have, had I have quite a hard, hard job of listening through lots and lots and lots of really crass remixes of, of uh, old tracks. 
But then you come across a gem, and it's something that may be even better than the original. I mean, a classic example of that is um, Lou Reed's Walk on the Wild Side. I must have about 25 different versions. I'm sure I've been playing a different version of Walk on the Wild Side every year. And it surprised me, you know, there's some really wonderful versions which are up there with the original. You, you can never take away the original, but... Um, as I said, you know, it's a lot of the original tracks, you can't actually dance to them. Then you put a bit of a beat to it and you think, wow, I'm dancing to Marvin Gaye and, you know, it's hands in the air and getting sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the internet as well has kind of opened up those doors. I mean, you've been DJing kind of long enough to have seen those big changes in terms of technology, <laughs> the move from vinyl to mp3 cdjs all of these things now um you know people are turning up to gigs they don't even need anything that kind of has a platter or spins around yep. um what are your where are you on that scale in terms of the technology that you use are you a vinyl junkie are you agnostic to it all what must you have when you dj um i move with the times and i'm very happy everything's on on um, a usb stick now and pioneer are the standard industry decks and it's wonderful because I can fit so many, you know, in the back in the vinyl days, you had a box of 50 records and that was you. And you had to be really sure you had the right records in the right box to the going to the right gig. So you were very limited in what you could play in a way, even though it was a two hour set, so 50 records is enough. But now I've got, you know, I can put 2000 tracks onto my USB and I can literally play I playlist everything, so I've even got tracks. I've got a playlist of rain, so it starts raining. I've got a Jimi Hendrix track. I've got I Can't Stand the Rain. If it's a gay party, it's raining men. You know, <laughs> you can't lose. So you can find the right track mm-hmm. for the right moment, and that is amazing. That's just incredible for me, um, because you know, fifty records in a in a record box just isn't enough. No, and to have and, that at your fingertips yeah. immediately. And you can access it so quickly now. You can access the USB by BPM, by key, by genre. So it's very fast, and I can be thinking creatively. I've got time to think creatively rather than taking a record out of a sleeve. Hopefully it's in the right sleeve. Sometimes it wasn't. Putting it on the decks, queuing mm. it up, getting the BPM right, getting it you know ready for the mix. There was too much fussing around um, with the vinyl. I know there's a vinyl revival and I respect that, but um, I think the vinyl revival is more for kids who possibly didn't experience what it was like back in the day and they want that authentic experience of mixing a record without the automatic BPMs and everything. So I can see the, the fascination for vinyl and I'm really happy that there's record store days and there is this vinyl revival but I'm actually happy with my USB <laughs> why not it's a lot lighter when you travel as well I'd imagine yeah and I used to have really big muscles when I was younger <laughs> and they seem to have gone so I got weedy arms again <laughs> so so you're obviously well versed in kind of steeped in musical knowledge um how does your brain work in terms of picking that stuff out is it do you work visually or do you um remember the names of tracks and artists and songs how do you pull your sets together it's quite difficult i kind of i forget the names of tracks quite quite a lot but i suppose i think visually in a way and i i kind of remember certain licks and 
I can remember the tunes and then I'll, I'll scroll through the tracks and I go, oh yeah, that's the one, that's the one. Um, and as I said, with uh, with the USB now, you can set up in advance. So I, you know, you can think three or four tracks ahead. It's like playing, it's like being an, an amateur chess player or a professional chess, chess player. You think, you think ahead. So with the USB, I can think three or four tracks ahead and alternative tracks to play. So you can switch, I can switch my mix around really easy. Um, so people decide that they don't want to dance anymore and they, the part is calming down, I can easily bring it down. Then I can look at them, I think, all right, they've been sitting down long enough, let's get them up again. So um, that's, that's, that's what I like doing. You know, I like building the BPMs. I always, I always start off my set with actually quite ambient and then build up, build up and build up and build it up until bang, we're right in the techno, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's got to have a beginning, a middle and an end, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, as I said, it's a journey. Yeah. Um, so in terms of Ibiza, is that your home? Um, you travel, you obviously play all over the world, but obviously discovering music and DJing and that's the thing that you do. But is there any other thing that kind of drives you? Um, I love traveling. So, um, and I'm in the fortunate position that, well, kind of fortunate. Um, I have no family, parents died a long time ago, not married, no kids. And I'm coming up for, 50, I'm 59. So um, I've embraced my freedom, and through that freedom, I can travel a lot, and that's what I love doing. I mean, I've just come back from Asia. I've done a six-month tour of Asia, and I've been playing in Hong Kong, Cambodia, Thailand, Bali, uh, Kuala Lumpur, Singapore, all these places, oh. and I actually really enjoy just living out of a suitcase. <laughs> It's it's fine. So not playing the same fifty records out of and not one playing box. the same fifty <laughs> records. You know, it's always different. It's constantly changing. So um, I suppose when I was younger, there was where is home. I didn't really. I went through a dilemma. I thought, where is home? Because Ibiza is home in a way, but it's still transient because it's a tourist island. So people coming and going all the time. It's uh, you know, relationship wise, it's really difficult because you can't hang hold on to any long term relationships. It's quite difficult. But, um, and same with traveling, I'm transient then. But I actually enjoy it, my, I was always running, scratching my head and thinking, where's home, where is home? And I've just sort of come to the conclusion that actually everywhere is home, so. The world you know, is Wherever I lay, lay my head, that is my home. And I enjoy it, that's what, that's what I really enjoy. I love the music and I love traveling. You're certainly in the right job for it then, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I said, you know, if you've got a family and you're, you're married, then it's difficult. You can't really do that. Um, so um, I'm lucky in that respect. Yeah. Um, so to talk about Ibiza specifically, um, recently have been quite a few changes in terms of laws made and volume and things like that. Mm. How how has that affected you in any way? And what do you think the future holds in that way? Is it more leaning towards this? There are going to be measures installed in terms of yeah, partying. Yeah. Well, it's it started last summer. Um, by putting limiters, sound limiters into all the bars. Um, there's no more, no, clubs don't go on after six o'clock in the morning. There's no after parties. And Ibiza's very expensive now. So yeah, I'm a little bit disappointed with Ibiza at the moment, but I've had 25 years. So, you know, I wasn't expecting it to last that long. Um, as far as the future, I think 
I want to be spending more time possibly traveling around Asia and maybe basing myself in Asia and then just coming back to Europe for a couple of months in the summer. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of looking a little bit outside of Ibiza now. Actually, the majority of my work comes from outside. So I'm, when I'm living in Ibiza, I'm away most weekends playing in France, Italy, New York, whatever. Um, so Ibiza has given me that, it's been like a launch pad and it's allowed me to travel around the world. Um, as far as playing in, in Ibiza in the future, I'm going to just see how this summer goes. 25 years is a really good innings. And I'm kind of, I don't want to be the old guy on the islands going, oh, the old days, they were so good. You, you weren't here in the old days, you missed it. Because the funny thing is, when I first went to Ibiza, a hippie came up to me and said, hey, man, you should have been here five years ago. You missed it. So I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> You know, I just don't want to be the old guy complaining. And playing in Asia to a new audience who don't necessarily know who I am has been a great kind of new beginning for me. And I, I'm, I'm up for that challenge before um, before I have ends up in a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked all about your achievements so far. What what has been your greatest achievement? Have, do you think you've You've had it, it's yet to come. What What are you most proud of? Uh, longevity. Yeah. Um, I actually, you know, a lot of DJs now, they look at the David Getters and all the big EDM DJs and they think, oh, wow, I want to be playing in a stadium with 50,000 people worshipping me, worshipping me like a god. And I never wanted that. Um, I was really happy to be working at Citrench when I first got the job. Um, I shunned publicity. I didn't want to do all the MTV interviews. I didn't want to do any of the interviews. Um, I wanted people to discover Setrencha by chance or by word of mouth because I always believe that's the strongest. I mean, you can make all the hype in the world and you can have all the journalists behind you, but it's not necessarily real. Um, also, the problem with being famous, you're almost, your career is almost limited. Because um, once you become famous, it's like be, back in the old days, it, being in a group, if you had one hit, you're a one-hit wonder. And you had an 18th-month career, you were in fashion for 18 months, and then the trap door opens, and you're finished. And some other DJ or another group comes along, and they're the next. They're in fashion. So I didn't want that. I didn't want an 18-month career. This is my life. Um, so I've just sort of stepped being gone, gone along steadily. Um, collecting more people who are passionate about music. So as long as I can continue to do that, then I'm happy. Yeah, I suppose once you put inside that box, it's constrictive, yeah. isn't it? If yeah, don't put me in a box. Oh, <laughs> gosh. <laughs> just the DJ booth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just the DJ booth. But the moment it's me, oh, you're a chill-out DJ. I go, no, I'm not. <laughs> How dare you? you know, it's like, I'll play any genre. So I've, I've, you know, um, yeah, don't like to be pigeonholed. I don't like to be put in a box. Yeah. Um, what sticks out for you in terms of your uh, your best ever gig and your worst ever gig? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, the worst gig? I don't know. The worst gig, gosh. Um, possibly one of the best gigs I was playing in. Um, I mean, there's been a few. Um, but I was playing in New Zealand and on in Christchurch in High Park, open air gig on Waitangi Day, which is 
New Zealand's Independence Day is one of the biggest days of the year. And my promoter told me that um, he was in Australia. He was sending me over and he said, oh, you're doing the VIP tent um, on Waitangi Day. I thought, well, great, you know, a couple of hundred people there, VIP tent, that sounds fine to me. But when I turned up at the airport, there were all these posters and it's got my name like huge on the poster. And I, the, the promoter picks me up and I'm sort of scratching my head and he said, um, I thought I was just doing the VIP tent, VIP tent. He said, no, 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 you're the headliner. And I was like, oh really? Um, how many people are you expecting this year? He said, oh, I think about 36,000. <laughs> was, wow. I, I, nearly, I nearly projectile vomited on the spot. <laughs> I was like, 36,000 people? And I just, I just remember trembling and feeling very sick and dizzy, <laughs> not being able to sleep all night. <laughs> but um, the gig was fine, actually. They, they've got a really good music culture in New Zealand. I just released my um, um, Selena Sessions CD, and we had, a, I, unknowingly, I had a couple of tracks from New Zealand producers. So um, I already had quite a bit of a following because of that, and. They kind of, if you're an, if you're an international DJ, then you've gone you know halfway around the world. They will celebrate you, and, um, and but you as a headliner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was it was nerve wracking as hell, but it was a great gig. Amazing. Um, surely you can think of somewhere where it's just all gone wrong, oh, or gosh. you've just not been happy, or something's failed, or. I I was actually talking to Danny Rampling the other day because he, he brought out his book about DJing. And I said to him, said, Danny, we ought to do a book on DJs on the night it all went wrong, when everything just went wrong. You know, there's quite a few DJs who probably wouldn't admit it, but, you know, everybody has that. It's the, statistically something's going to go wrong at some point. But um, I, I remember playing um, I know, some rave back in the day, I don't know if it was Spiral Tribe or Circus Warp or whatever. Um, it was in a marquee and um, I would queued up for ages to go on and it was really belting down the rain. It was great atmosphere. And so I'm just about to go on the decks and all this water had collected at a point in the marquee. And just when I went on, <laughs> the marquee split and just tons of water just chucked down on me. <laughs> and the the turntables started going and all the speeds changed and then there was a big bang and I think my hair s stood on end and I got electrocuted and that was the end of my set. <laughs> <laughs> Great finish. Um, so uh, obviously besides the trencher, um, do you have any other favourite places to play either in Ibiza or around the world? Um, I really only play in Ibiza at the trencher. Mm. Um, I do a few private parties and boat parties, which are great. Um, those, those are wonderful, but that's sort of a private thing. Yeah. Um, I'm really happy just playing outdoors anywhere. There's lots of gigs I do, opening of um, beach clubs and stuff in Italy and Montpellier in France. And I'm just very, very happy when I'm just playing outside on a beach, beach party, um, anywhere outside. Yeah. And is there anywhere that you haven't played yet that you really would love to? 
Anyway, you mentioned Asia earlier. Is there anywhere in Asia that you haven't played yet that would be oh, there's really lots. Special? Well, the interesting thing about Asia is just opening up. Yeah, it's a long season, so you know it's a good six, seven month season really. And there's all these beach clubs just opening up in Asia. It's like a really positive scene, and it's it's just expanding and expanding all the time. So that I find it very exciting generally to play in Asia. I'd like to play more in Japan. Because um, I really love Japanese culture and I, I love the Japanese people and their art and, and they're so polite. <laughs> um, so I'm looking forward to possibly playing in Japan in the near future. But uh, yeah, anywhere outdoors, I'm I'm happy. So that's really. what the future holds for you then. Yes, fingers crossed. Touch wood. That's the that's my future. Cool. Yeah. Um, we spoke earlier about um, fire. We always get our guests to um, add to what we're trying to build is a perfect playlist on Spotify. Um, we obviously always give you five tracks with themes up front, and you've been kind enough to come back to us so we can discuss those. Um, the, f- the themes are Catalyst, Floor Filler, Sunsetter, Tearjerker, and The Last Tune. So um, to kick it off, I suppose The Catalyst, what was the first track that got you into dance music house music disco music whatever something with repetitive beats it was um bahannon start the dance uh let's start the dance yeah i think it, well, it was a combination between that and um sugar hill gang i think that those two tracks rapper's delight rapper's delight yeah, yeah. and the uh, grandmaster flash and the furious five um the message no not message no. The one which white lines, no, Apache, the adventures of Grandmaster. Oh Flash. yeah, the uh, the one where he cuts up. Um, where yeah, cuts yeah, up. yeah, yeah. But it's got Queen. Another one bites the dust. Yeah, it? yeah. With yeah. Blondie yeah. and and, uh, and it just all those samples are yeah. just incredible. So that yeah. those two tracks really got me going. Yeah, that was in what the late seventies, wasn't it? I think Bahana was seventy eight. I think. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So that was there was all this stuff coming over from New York, and you know I used to love Blondie. And um, you know the punk scene, that kind of new new wave scene, and then there was all this stuff coming from New York, and that just flipped my switch. I thought, wow! And yeah. I used to love dancing. I wasn't a DJ then at all. I was making my cassettes and stuff. But um, yeah, those those two tracks really hit the spot for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of my sample tracks, isn't it? That Bahana and Let's Start the Dance. I've certainly heard numerous licks and vocals all oh, yeah, over no, the shop it's been a sample as much as james brown yeah yeah. Think, yeah uh okay so your floor filler uh you chose eric cupper presents aurora organica yes. the main mix yes that this i hadn't actually heard this before oh. and when you sent it to me i had a listen and it blew my mind it's amazing yeah it's um for me perfect summation of just a Balearic track it's got some tribal beats in there it's got some flamenco style guitar it's driving uplifting it's your floor filler how often do you play that and how much you love it um I've been playing that almost in every set for the last year and I must find a new one (laughs) but it's like but it's worked every time and it's like that quality production that you get from say a lot of Frankie Knuckles tracks um, yeah, didn't Eric Cooper produce a lot of his tracks? Exactly, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's of that kind of warm, melodic house. Yeah. So after playing the the real thumping tunes, which gets everybody dancing, then that track comes in, and it's just it just 
it lifts you. It's there's the sort of track that gives you goosebumps, I think, and you can dance to it, and it's a wonderful track to listen to. So it's just got all the right elements. Um, yeah, it's okay. So the Sunsetter, obviously, you soundtrack so many sunsets. I imagine um, you've chosen the Functuary, Set the Sun Alight, the Ibiza Air Mix. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's been a favourite for particular sunsets. Although there are, it's such a difficult question to ask me for one track because there are so many. Yeah. And I'm constantly discovering new ones and um, mixing like two ambient tracks together as well. But that's, um, I think out of all the tracks I've been playing this year, that's a particularly nice one. Um, Because it's got the really slow, um, soft vocal to it and just that feeling of the sunset. You mean, you listen to the track, you close your eyes and you're at a sunset. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah, you kind of melt into it. Yeah. for the tearjerker, I mean, this, you know, it's kind of genre agnostic, so it could be house music, could be anything. Um, you've chosen Marvin Gaye, What's Going On? Yes. That is incredible piece of music. Yes. Uh, why that one in particular? Because it's so relevant. It's still so relevant. I mean, that song was written in the 60s, um, and it's still What's Going On, Pollution in the Sky, and every all the lyrics just some up to today's problems and the song was written over 40 years ago yeah, yeah. so that's just a timeless track that is, is relevant now as it ever has been um, and also another track um, which has got nothing to do with house music or dance music but Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World I think you know tracks like that you can't play it you've got to play it at the right time if you play it at the right time then everybody's crying and I've done that, and, they've, and I've, I've been weeping myself. I just think, what a wonderful track. And I always remember seeing that on TV, um, and I think it was, it was, it was a, a newsreel of the Vietnam War, and all these um, napalm and all these bombing and stuff, and people dying, and then that in the background as a juxtaposition. I've got goosebumps just there. <laughs> yeah, same, same here, same here. Um, so, you know, tracks like that just just nail it. Yeah. And they're timeless. Timeless is right. Yeah, you know, and, and, you know, Louis, what a wonderful guy, you know, made it against all odds when there was racism back in the day, you know, serious racism. And he rose above it all, as did Marvin Gaye, and produced these wonderful 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 lyrically and musically beautiful songs yeah like you say completely timeless um and yeah play them at the right time and my gosh yeah you will have people yeah you've got to weeping it's got to be at the right time and then yeah the tissues come out the secret of a good dj um okay and the last tune so it's the end of the night crowd are wanting one more you've chosen the reflex revision of david bowie's rebel rebel um (laughs) The, I mean, the reflex is, yeah, we were talking about edits and new mixes earlier, classic tracks. The reflex, I think, is a cut above the, some of the stuff that he's done to, like, Michael Jackson tracks. And, and then this one with David Bowie obviously starts off very, very kind of just his voice with a bit of guitar and then launches into the punchiest uh, yeah. riff. So it's not the standard version of no. Rebel Rebel. It's the version he did live. And it's just got a simple guitar intro, dum da 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 dum and then his vocals come in like an a cappella. He sings the whole verse, and then the chorus comes in, and it just goes completely bonkers. 
Um, as a last number, yep, I like that because um, you know if it's I play long sets, so um, you know everybody's had their dance and bring them down a little bit, then bring them up, and then the last number. So I kind of I like to kind of fade out as the last number and play something really ambient, so that people want more. So you kind of. I think if you deliver too much to an audience, then they're satisfied. And so if you, I try to like take the beats away right at the end of the, my set and just go back down to ambient and then lights come on and people are like, uh, we want more, we want more. So I'll start off with Rebel Rebel, ambient intro, and then bang. Uh, and I'm a huge David Bowie fan, so I'm slightly biased. Well, aren't, we, aren't we all, to be yeah. honest? It's, yeah, incredible, incredible I've got my loss. David Bowie shoes on today. <laughs> <laughs> the boots to match. Yeah. Um, okay, and I suppose to kind of wrap this up, um, a final question is, what, what does house music or house culture or dance music or just music in general, what does it mean to you personally? Just sum it up in your own words. Oh, gosh, it covers, maybe it just covers all those emotions that you find difficult to put into words. So um, sometimes we're lost for words, and music will always fill that vacuum. Um, so, yeah, it just makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, it's, it's the soundtrack of my life. Music is, covers all my emotions through the hardest times possibly I've ever had in my life. Music has always lifted me. I think that's more important than just being happy. Um, when times have been really, really hard, I've listened to some really depressing songs, but they kind of lift me out of my own depression. Yeah, it could be <laughs> so worse, right? I think one good example was that. Yeah, Tom Waits, possibly. You know, <laughs> it's like this, this guy who just sounds like a, a tramp who's got no money and he falls in love with a cripple who ends up chucking him. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like... So there's all these scenarios that he has in his songs of being really down and out and... Um, uh, I can't say I've been really down and out in my life. Certainly not like that. But, um, you know, life is full of um, highs and lows. And music has always taken me out and lifted me above, out of that sadness. Yeah. And um, put me in a good place. Did you always think that music would get you to this point growing up? I was very frustrated. I had no idea really what I wanted to do as a kid. And, and um, as I said, I was always really put down for liking music. Um you know, at school, I, I was obsessed in David Bowie and it was Ziggy Stardust at the time. So everybody thought I was weird. <laughs> and, and um, yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, music just has just kept me going. As I said, it's my earliest memory. And um, I hope it will be my last. <laughs> Before the lights go out. Before the lights go out. <laughs> yeah. well, that's, um, I think, that's a perfect way to wrap it up. Great, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. House Culture. How amazing was that? What an utter gentleman John is, and it was fantastic to discover how he got started on the White Isle, as well as getting his take on all things Balearic. As always, you can find most of the tracks we discussed in this episode on House Culture's perfect playlist on Spotify make sure you follow that to keep yourself up to date with the selections from all of our lovely podcast interviewees you can find it on spotify 
just search House Culture Perfect Playlist. However, shamefully, the amazing reflex revision of David Bowie's Rebel Rebel that we discussed as John's last tune is not available on Spotify. So make sure you try and seek that out wherever you can. You will not be disappointed. Also make sure you subscribe to us so you never miss out on future House Culture podcast releases. Please love, like, tweet, share, tell your friends, leave us a review. Could get you a shout out on a future episode. So be nice. Why don't you come follow us and keep abreast of all things House Culture by hitting up our Instagram feed at housecultureNet or by following the hashtag TrueHouseCulture. And finally, you reach out to me, Matt Rouse, directly on Instagram at DJ Matt Rouse. Thanks for listening. See you next time. House Culture. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.